Our scripture reading comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Back in 1988, I was called to be the associate pastor of St. John's Baptist Church in Charlotte. And one of the most memorable people that I met the entire time I was there was a woman named Helen Mosby. I am pretty sure that when they invented the word unique, they meant it for Helen Mosby. She was one unique lady. When our family first moved there, they gave us a big reception to welcome us to the church. And Miss Mosby was one of the first individuals that I met there. She walked up to me. She looked me straight in the eye. She said, Reverend, I'm Helen Mosby. How old do you think I am? And don't say 39. There's no way to win in that situation, folks. There's nothing you're going to say that's going to win. But I took a deep breath and I looked at Helen and I said, I would say you're somewhere between 65 and 70. And when I did, she yelled out to the whole room, we need to fire this man now. He even lies to old women. I said, okay, Ms. Mosby, how old are you? And she said, I'm 81, and I'm looking forward to my 100th birthday. I've already booked the country club, the ballroom at the country club, and I expect you to be there. And I said, I wouldn't miss it at all. I thought she was kidding about that. I later found out that when she made her funeral arrangements at the funeral home, she had a note put right at the top of them that said, if I die before 100, cancel the ballroom at the country club. <laughs> She was very serious about that. She had reserved it for her 100th birthday. I said, Ms. Mosby, are you married? She said, yes, I am. My husband died 30 years ago, but he's in heaven waiting on me, and someday I'm going to see him again, but I hope it's not today. I laughed, and I said, Ms. Mosby, do you have any children? She said, not yet. <laughs> Ms. Mosby was truly one of the funniest and most interesting people that I ever knew. But she was like all the rest of us. She had her faults. And one of those faults was, if it came in her mind, it came out. She said whatever. As far as I could tell, she never had an unspoken thought, at least the whole time I knew her. Ms. Mosby was walking down the hallway one day, and there was this kid in the hall who was probably seven or eight years old. And he was throwing the kind of fit that you usually see in a two-year-old. This kid's mother turned around and looked at Ms. Mosby and said, I don't know why he's acting like this. And when she did, Ms. Mosby looked at her and said, well, I do. I'm looking at her. <laughs> and then Ms. Mosby turned around, walked off, and left me standing there to fix all of this. 
Ms. Mosby was a sweet person, a very kind person, but she definitely had her issues. However, before we become too judgmental about Ms. Mosby or anybody else that's like Ms. Mosby, we need to remember something else. We all have our issues. It doesn't matter who we are, where we're from, whether we're the pastor of the church or never been to church in our lives. We've all had our issues in life. Every person, every group, every church, we all have those things that can keep us from becoming all that God would have us become if we lean into those things. For instance, I doubt if there's anybody in this room who doesn't have a few regrets in their lives. And the reason I say that is because about half of the counseling that I do has to do with people's regrets. It's either things that they wish they hadn't done in their lives or it's things they wish they had done that they didn't do. Sometimes it's both of those with people trying to work through the regrets that they've had. I had somebody not a month ago who came to see me and they said, there's not a day that goes by that I don't feel bad about my past. And the reason they do is because that person has never allowed God to set them free from their regrets. We all need that freedom that comes from our God. They had never, ever had that moment when they let God set them free. Last week, we looked at one of the key verses for this, Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. The reason the Apostle Paul included that verse in that letter that he wrote to the church at Galatia was because freedom from the past was a hallmark of the Apostle Paul's theology. It, it appears in some way in almost every letter that he wrote to every church. Paul knew very well that if, if you will let Jesus set you free from the past, then you will have the proper sense of time within your life. But if you do not allow Jesus to set you free from your past, then your sense of time is always going to be oriented behind you. And it's hard to claim the future if the only direction you're looking is back there. And that leads to a question that we all need to face in our lives. How can we move forward in a positive way that will honor God every day of our lives? There may be lots of ways that we could do that. There may be more than one answer to that question. But I think the first step in the process of answering that question is to figure out what we need to avoid as we're trying to make our time count for God. And the first thing that we need to avoid is the wrong focus in our lives. If we're constantly focusing on what's wrong instead of what's right, it'll not only kill our future, but we won't even get started on a new journey for our future. We used to have a church member that went to church here every week. I think they spent every waking hour of their day focusing on what was wrong with this church instead of what was right with this church. And they didn't do a thing in this world to try to help the church and to try to make it a better place. They just stood on the sidelines and they complained about everything. They complained about me. They complained about Charlotte. They complained about Don. They complained about Todd. They complained about everything because all they were focused on was the negative of life. You can't affect positive change by just being negative. If you want to create a positive future, you have to invest your time in positive things. The first thing we need to avoid is having the wrong focus in our lives. The second thing that we need to avoid is picking the wrong orientation in our lives, which is a fancy way of saying don't look back, look 
forward in your life. Why? Because you can't live in the past. The past can affect your life. It can affect it positively or negatively. And you can learn from your past and from things that have happened back there, but you cannot live in the past. And there is no way to move forward if the only direction that you look is behind you. When my son Brandon was in middle school, I helped coach his little league baseball team. And one of the things that we tried to teach our players was, if you hit a ball to the outfield field, don't focus on the ball when you're headed to second base. Look at your third base coach. The third base coach will tell you whether to stop at second or keep coming to third. All of our kids got that except this one kid. And he was one of the best players that we had on the team. In fact, he went on to play college baseball and was very good at it. But at that point in his life, every time he hit the ball to the fence, he would watch the ball. And he'd round second base, and he'd look over his shoulder trying to see the ball. And every single time he did that, he got thrown out at third. And every time he did, we had to stop and talk to him again about which way should you be oriented when you're coming down that direction. Why? Why is it that we have this tendency to look back, to look over our shoulder, to look at things? We know that you can't run forward while you're looking back. That's one of the things that we tried to teach those kids. If you start looking back while you're running forward, it's going to shift your momentum. It's going to drain off the energy that you need for running forward. If we want to move forward, we need to be oriented forward. And nobody knew that better than the Apostle Paul did. The Apostle Paul had a lot of regrets in his life. They surfaced periodically in the letters that he would write. At one point in time, the Christian church was more afraid of Paul than they were of the Roman government because Paul was a persecutor of the church. He was trying to kill the Christian faith. Paul was part of a mob that helped stone the, the young deacon by the name of Stephen to death. And Paul made it clear that he was going to demand he was going to arrest all of the Christians he could find. He was going to bring them in chains back to Jerusalem. And if they didn't renounce their faith, they were going to die too. Once upon a time, Paul had been the chief persecutor of the church, which meant when Paul became a Christian, he had to start by proving to the church that he had changed, by proving to the church that his faith was real. And he did that not by focusing on the past, but by focusing on the future. He let go of that past orientation, and he set a new orientation for his life. It was an or orientation of accomplishment, something that would make a difference for Jesus. The point is, it doesn't matter if our past is positive or negative. If you focus on the past, if you, if you let the past control the present, you will fail in the future, and there are no exceptions to that rule. I spoke at a church here in the state several years ago now. It was at one time one of the most prominent churches in the state of Virginia. It had been a town that had been exploding with growth and then suddenly it started to die as the industry started leaving. By the time I spoke there, it had gone from having the, a sanctuary packed that was about 1,000 seats to barely having about 100, 120 people who were there. 
as we were there visiting with them, they told me all kinds of stories about their glory days. They told me about all of the ministries that they did way back there. They told me about a minister who was pastor of that church for 41 years and, and what he had accomplished there and how much he had, had, had done and how they admired him and how they loved him. But they never said a word about the future. They never said a word about anything except what was back there. And I told my wife when I got home, I said, that is a once glorious church that is heading toward death because all they are focused on is the past. The point is, it doesn't matter if your past is negative or positive. If you do nothing but focus on it, you will start to fail. So how do we move forward? How do we claim our time as God's time? Well, you start by claiming the gift of dissatisfaction. Years ago, somebody made a criticism of Charlotte and me, and then they were surprised that I'd taken it as a compliment. They said, why are you and Charlotte so dissatisfied with things? It doesn't matter how well things are going. You're always looking for something else. And I thought really, do you not want us to be doing that? I laughed and I looked at him and I said, we do that because if you're above dirt, you can never be spiritually satisfied. You could never be satisfied with who you are with God. You have to always be growing, building more. Why? Because walking with Jesus is not a destination to achieve. It's a journey. Paul said, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Paul was saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost with fire, as he would put it, but Paul wasn't satisfied. It didn't matter if he was free or in prison. Paul knew that he had to make his life count for God. He had to work for Jesus. And in his mind, being in prison wasn't an excuse for not working for the Lord. Yes, bad things are going to happen sometimes, but that's not an excuse for us to give up. Paul, before Paul was arrested, he was planning on going to Spain on a missionary journey. He wrote to the church at Rome and he said, when I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you. But now he couldn't go to Spain. His circumstances had changed. So Paul had to decide. What was he going to do with his time? Was he going to just look back at, at what he had already done for Jesus and be satisfied with that? Or was he going to try to invest in his future right where he was? Paul had a choice and he chose to look forward. He chose to invest in the future. Paul could not go to Spain as he had dreamt, but he could lead his prison guards to faith and he could write letters of encouragement to the church that he had already founded, that he had already started. In fact, one of the great stories of the Christian faith is that the Romans had to change Paul's prison guard every day because he kept leading his guards to faith in Jesus and they would want to leave the Roman army when he did. And the most powerful letters that Paul wrote by far were the letters that he wrote from prison. Why? Because Paul claimed the gift of dissatisfaction. 
if anybody deserved to take some time off, it was Paul, but he didn't take some time off because he knew to become spiritually satisfied is to start to spiritually die. The spiritual life is a lifelong journey of investment for God and God's people. Never be satisfied in your spiritual walk. Never be satisfied with where you are in your life with God. That's what Paul meant in this passage of Scripture when he said, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on. Spiritual success is the never-ending process of pressing on to become what God knows that we can become as individuals and as a church. Paul didn't spend his time looking back at his accomplishments. Until the day he died, he spent his time investing in the future. I press on. That was Paul's way of saying, be devoted to a purpose. The secret to Paul's great life was that he understood the power of dedication to a purpose. This one thing I do. Paul's purpose was to make a positive difference in the world. And Charlotte, that's exactly what you've done here in this church for 21 years. You've made a positive difference. You made a positive difference for Jesus since the day that you walked through the doors. You've dedicated your life. You've dedicated your gifts. You've dedicated your talents to, to serving the Lord and to building a future of this church and building a future of the kingdom. I think you found your purpose a long time ago on that day that you were baptized yourself, the last time you were in water before you got here today. Yet the reality is, is that purpose has been living its way out of you ever since then in one way or the other. I don't think you're going to know this side of heaven, how much difference you've made at the high school when you taught there for 24 years, when you were at Main Street Church as their minister of music for 19 years, and, and how much difference you've made in this church. You've invested your time and talents and, and gifts, everything that you had to offer for Jesus Christ, and you've definitely blessed us with this gift of dissatisfaction. You're probably as dissatisfied with things. <laughs> you are always looking for that next thing. You are always wanting the next step to be better. You are always wanting even the next song to be better than the one that was before. You were never satisfied with the way things were. Nobody will ever be able to say about you, you retired before you left. You were always looking for the next thing right down to this past week as we were going through. I can't tell you how much I have enjoyed working with you. Not one time in 21 years did I ever doubt at all that you had my back. And even when you didn't always agree with what was going on, you were still a team player and you made sure that I knew that. You've always been one who looked toward the future, and you did it with, with, with gusto every day that you lived, and you've always tried to make tomorrow better than yesterday, not for yourself, but for God, for the good of his church, for the good of his kingdom. We've been blessed to have you here over all these years, and, and I am thankful that I've gotten to work with you for so long. 
That's what God calls all of us to do. It's what he wants from all of us. He's called us to give our lives to him in faith, to, to recognize our gifts, to invest those gifts for God's glory, and, and to use our time for a godly purpose, to, to try to leave the world better than we found it. And that starts just like Charlotte did when she was baptized. That starts when we choose to give our lives to Jesus Christ. God's call on my life started on the day that I was baptized when I was 16 years old. From that time forward, I can look back and realize that God was calling me to the future that was going to be out in front of me. When we give our lives to Jesus in faith, we have a call upon our lives to invest our time, our talents, our gifts for his purpose, and to never be satisfied, but to always be striving for what can be out there in front of us. Today, I am asking you, I am asking you to be the people of God. Let us give our lives, let us give our trust to Jesus, and let's invest. Let's invest our time and our talents and our gifts for God and his purpose. Let us not try to look for what's wrong. Let us try to build what's right. And let us try to move on to the purpose that God has for us so that one day we can hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this time in life. I thank you for the opportunity to live for you and to try to live out our lives in a way that will honor you. You have blessed us with gifts and talents. Help us, O oh Lord, to look not back but forward. Help us to be what you would have us be and to, to make our time count for a godly purpose. Help us, O oh Lord, to love you with all of our hearts to look for what is good and what is right and to try to invest in it and make it better. Help us to believe in what you can do through our lives. Help us, Lord, to trust you with everything that exists within us. You have called us, O oh Lord, to examine our lives and to recognize those times when our lives feel empty and then to turn to Jesus and say, Lord, I know that you're what's missing. Come and live within me and help me to be the best that I can be for your glory. Make it so for us today, O Lord, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. Today, God has led us here to count for him and to remember that investing our time is what makes a difference and is what changes things. Let's make the decision today to invest our time for Jesus well and to do the best we can to make wherever we are as good as it can be for the glory of God. And now may the Lord bless and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you peace this day and every day, now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you, everyone.